Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be giving our thoughts on the 95th Oscars ceremony and declaring the winner of the 2023 Oscars draft. Then we'll each make selections for bonus award categories to show more love to the 2022 films that impact us the most. Which film had the best scene? Which had the best shot? Find out our picks later this episode. DC. Of course, James Gunn is taking the reins of that entire cinematic universe, but we knew he was directing Superman Legacy. We did not yet know if he was going to sit in the director's chair for it, but this past week he has confirmed that he will, in fact, direct Superman Legacy. Dylan, your thoughts? Big shocker. (laughs) Not. I mean, come on, if he was going to write it, of course he's going to direct it. I mean, this from the get go. I feel like it was obvious. Well, not so much since they would have just announced that he was writer director from the beginning. But I think, well, I think he was probably you know hemming and hawing and debating whether he wanted to do it. But I think deep down, I always knew he was going to end up deciding to do it. Right. I think once he wrote the whole thing, it would be tough for him to like pass the reins off to somebody else. Yeah. But I think it was mostly just them figuring out like, okay, will we have enough time for? you to like write and then direct this while we were also trying to figure out all these other DC projects, but it makes sense as well. Like you definitely need to start off uh, with your best. And so before you can be thinking about all this other stuff and like chapter two of phase one, they need to make sure there's going to be a chapter two Yeah, because people are interested enough in chapter one to want to continue. So kicking, kicking it all off with Superman legacy, making sure it's the best it could be. Yeah, it makes sense that James Gunn would want to be in total control of that. So there we go. Superman Legacy still July 11th, 2025. I mean, that is coming up soon, and they have yet to cast the Superman. So that's going to be happening very soon, I'm sure, because they got to start filming rather quickly. So we'll see how that goes. But yep, another update. For DC, James Gunn will, in fact, write and direct the first film of the official DCU. And moving on to a next piece of news, not the start of a cinematic universe, but the end of a renowned filmmaker's filmography, Quentin Tarantino. His 10th and final film is titled The Movie Critic, and it will follow a 1970 or will follow a female film critic in the 1970s as she's going around LA and making critiques of films and possibly getting caught up in some sort of underworld related to that if we know anything about Tarantino so what are your thoughts on the film and the premise I would say I'm also not surprised about this but I mean Tarantino is famously known for loving you know critiquing film as an art form he reads a lot Mm -hmm. of critics and knows a lot of critics and will 
bring up stories about critics and things like that because he's just so fascinated in the world of critiquing film as you know you and i are since we do this every week so i'm not surprised that this is the the subject matter i'm a little excited you know it's another period piece i really liked once upon a time in hollywood i'm looking forward to the movie critic but it doesn't it just the the concept itself doesn't sound like a tarantino film you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i mean i I think i'm gonna love it no matter what because i love it all the things he's ever done but i'm still i'm gonna hold any judgments positive or negative until i see at least a trailer let alone yeah i just need more information you know the movie title and the log line is not enough yeah for sure but again i mean yeah i think they're we're gonna get more information on it as they start filming apparently they want to do that later this year um which would put the release date for it probably in 2025 or late 2024 if you wanted to get in for the award season so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and once again this is meant to be his final film we'll see if he sticks to it um but yeah it makes sense that it's related to cinema it's related to critiquing films Mm -hmm. it's a period piece 1970s he's obviously very much enamored with that era so it's bringing in all those elements that we know of classic tarantino but again it doesn't have that criminal element yet so we got to see how that's going to fit in which i'm sure details will roll out about that uh Mm -hmm. sometime soon but yeah it's exciting that we have this first piece of information about his final film um so yeah something to look forward to yep and lastly matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson are back together in an apple tv plus comedy about the two actors and their families struggling to live together on mcconaughey's texas ranch are they playing themselves in this they are. That's pretty good. Although I did hear <laughs> what would be an even better idea is if they're playing each other. That would be oh, truly hilarious. That would be funny. Uh, oh, but yeah, they're definitely playing themselves. Uh, it's just funny that they're doing it because, I mean, they have a close relationship. They're very solid friends. So like, you know what? Let's just work together by <laughs> making this random comedy show about the two of us and our families living together. Just so we can spend more time together. Look at that. Yep. So that'll be an interesting thing. Again, I'm still not on Apple TV, so I won't be able to get on. See that? Are you on Apple TV? No, I I subscribe once a year for one month to watch Ted Lasso. (laughs) Yeah, and now Severance because I'm kind of into Severance, but season two isn't out yet. And I will probably watch this show when it comes out, so long as it is in is in time with one of those two shows. Yeah. I'll watch it eventually in the one month of the year that I subscribe to Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> now we can do our box office breakdown for March 10th to March 12th. Coming in first, a franchise record 34 million. Oh, sorry. A franchise record 44 million for Scream 6, beating the 34 million from Scream 3. Mm-hmm. And Creed 3 with 27 million in its second weekend. It has now crossed 100 million domestic. So again, that film, which also had its franchise record in the opening last weekend, is doing very well for itself. Indeed. The Adam Driver sci-fi flick 65 landed 12.3 million over the weekend. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania was 7.1 million. So again, not the greatest performance, but it is just about to hit 200 million. So it's still doing solid. All right. Cocaine Bear, 6.2 million champions talking about woody harrelson that made five million 
Jesus Revolution also five million, which brings its domestic total to forty million. Avatar: The Way of Water two point six million. That's crazy that it's still there. Puss in Boots two also somehow still there one point seven million. <laughs> Operation Fortune: Ruse de Guerre one point two million. And to Judy Main Macar nine hundred sixty thousand. Nailed it. Thank Moving you. on to box office predictions for March seventeenth to the nineteenth of 2023 we have shazam fury of the gods now the first shazam back in 2019 opened to 53 million Mm. this one which has much more mixed reviews than that first one can you guess what the first one's rotten to uh rotten tomatoes score is it was like something right higher 80 something higher 90 something it was 90 percent that's crazy. It is. It's truly crazy. It's this not one, that good. I mean, it's this good. One, but it's not that good. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's enjoyable. Again, all that is is just is it like an enjoyable time? And ninety yeah. percent of critics said, you know what, it's good. So this one is nowhere near ninety percent. It's rotten at fifty five percent. So it's not even going to have all the goodwill and word of mouth that the first one did. So how do you think that this one, four years after the first, as part of a dying franchise in DCEU, yeah. what is it going to get? I think it's obviously going to drop. I'm going to say at least $35 million, probably closer to 40 45 Gotcha. I'm going to say a little below $35 million. Really? I hope it can get there, but I don't think it's going to. Which I is think we still sad. have enough of a draw. Mm, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But yeah. I mean, yeah, with Ant-Man underperforming, we've seen overperformances for Creed and Scream. But yeah, I don't think Shazam is going to be able to continue that trend. So I think it'll fall short of expectations. So like 33 million. That's where I'm well, going with. That's your opinion. Now we can move on to the Oscars. Let's talk about the ceremony itself. It was at 18.2 million viewers it's up from last year isn't that good ryan maybe people care about the oscars i think everybody wanted to see a happy ending with with some of their movies specifically everything everywhere once i think it's had such a passionate fan base for it it's true i mean yeah there were a lot of populist films i mean talking maverick avatar the way water and then everything everywhere Mm. so certainly one of the better crop of films in terms of bringing in mainstream viewers but it's still like it's 18.2 so up from last year but it's still like what fourth or third lowest all time so it's still a very different era that we're in obviously like network tv is not as watched everything is fractured because of streaming and whatnot but i think it's still pulling in a solid enough amount of viewers and then it still has like a cultural imprint like people Mm -hmm. do still talk about it and it gets up on social media so i think this is solid the fact that it's like okay we went up we're still maintaining like a near 20 million uh, live viewers i think that's still solid i agree what did you think of jimmy kimmel's monologue i thought it was pretty good i enjoyed it i thought there were some nice chuckles in there yeah they decided to go for a host again these like past few years they've gone with no host or multiple hosts so i'm glad that they decided to okay let's go a classic route just one host We'll come out, do a monologue, and it'll be like these light jests at 
movies or movie stars that are there. It felt like normal, it felt usual. Yeah, it felt simple, it. felt generic, which might be what they needed following the slap <laughs> last year. Exactly. It got a little hectic, but this so one was what, kind of kind of mainstream and simple for sure. Yeah. What did you think of all the references to the slap? We knew it would be coming. There's no way they were going to not reference one of the craziest events at the Oscars ever. So uh, they made a couple jokes. I mean, in the monologue, yeah. they did it. They sent off the show with another slap joke. So what did you think overall of how that was referenced? I thought it was very tame. I felt like they, they just did it because they knew they would have to reference it and they didn't spend too much time on it, which I guess is okay. I'm still just thinking about Chris Rock's comedy special because that that went for it, and well, that was good. That was fun. Understandably, when talking about it. pulling no slaps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I think it was the way that they went about it. Like they never mentioned Will Smith's name. They just occasionally would reference, like obviously, like oh, if you commit an act of physical violence, we will hand you an award and you'll get to make a whole speech. That and then at fun. the end of the show, when they did the no number of Oscars, Oscars without an incident. That yeah. one was really good. That um, one was good. Yeah, I like that one. I think it was the best approach. Like you have to reference it. It's like low hanging fruit, but also it's, it is like the Oscars. This is one year past the place where it happened. So there needs mm. to be some reference to it. And I think they didn't spend too much time on it. They made light of it. They didn't try and rehash anything with like Will Smith and the whole discourse that came about afterwards of, mm. oh, should he have done it? Should he not? All this stuff. I think it was better for them to just go for straightforward easy laughs that anyone no matter where you fall on that spectrum of mm -hmm. your feelings about the slap you could buy into it it's an easy laugh and then leave chris rock to do his own special that will go hard into will smith and everything that happened there so i, I think they made a smart sensible it was a safe approach. choice it was the safest choice but what did you think i mean what were they going to do come out and just start ripping on will smith for all this time it would feel sure i mean i guess it would be feel a little worn out but i don't know i feel like he had it coming no no i feel like it'd be very out of place to just start doing that like this is not a place to rehash again like some or insane event that happened at last year's event when that derailed what was meant to be a celebration of movies and all the filmmakers that are a part of those movies to dedicate too much time outside of like the monologue or a couple jokes uh as you're segueing between these different segments and presentations of the awards to focus too much time on it, I feel like we'd do the same thing. Yeah, but it was still a little derailing it. Bland in terms of like a show. In terms of like having Jimmy Kimmel do a monologue and then do bits every once in a while. I felt like it was still a little bland. Maybe I that could have added a little spice. Added a little bit of spice. Yeah, but maybe not in a <laughs> In terms of the slap, I don't think we needed more spice with that. Perhaps. They could have done more inventive bits elsewhere, or had more banter between like the presenters. I noticed that was kind of missing, mm -hmm. but it's also funny because, I mean, this is a very straightforward approach to the show that they did. Yeah, but they went back to basics, which yeah. might have been the way to go because they've been shaking it up the last the few years, and that that fucked me up for sure. That's what I'm saying because people didn't like the different approaches. Like definitely the um. The Soderbergh one, right? Like the Oscar, the COVID Oscars. Oh, yeah. That one was weird. That one was very different and people did not like it too much. And then yeah. last year, I don't know, they were like an in-between state. And then obviously the slap derailed everything. So it makes sense to go back to basics, be very straightforward. To me personally, I like that. I do think it 
All right. was a little bland in places, like definitely in the it's middle portion sure of the show. Um, but I think let's get back to basics, and then next year maybe you can find areas to spice things up, as you I said. guess. Um, one thing that they did that was new for this show was they gave Disney and then Warner Brothers a chance to do a presentation and show some footage. Disney showed a trailer for The Little Mermaid, the live-action film coming out later this year, and then Warner Brothers, as part of their 100th anniversary, showed mm-hmm. a whole bunch of uh, shots from their greatest hits. So what did you think about these segments? Um, I didn't mind the Warner Bros. montage one that once cause that much because it was more like celebrating movie history, which is what the Oscars is supposed to be, instead of like as promotional. I mean, they still had shots of things that were coming up and things like that and references to it. Mm-hmm. But it was more about, you know, trying to highlight Warner Bros. history and like the greatness that they've contributed to movie history. The Disney one was just, here's a Little Mermaid, here's a promotional thing. And it's because ABC is showing the Oscars. So obviously Disney's going to have a trailer in there. Mm-hmm. And I just, is is the Oscars really the place to throw out a trailer for a movie coming out? I don't think so. Right. It's, I think the Warner Brothers montage definitely made sense in Woods. Yeah. Because, and Disney also is having their like 100th anniversary. So had they used that slot. They could have, yeah. Do a celebration of all their past films. That would like, I fun. think that works. Because again, it's like reaffirming the message of, oh, films matter. And then they could have plugged matter. in the Little Mermaid at the end of the montage. True. Yeah. Because that's like partially what Warner Brothers did too. Of like, oh, and here's the films from this year that are going to join our amazing catalog of exactly. films. So yeah, I think that would have been a better route to do it rather than have the like two stars from the film come out and waxing poetic about this film that no one's seen and certainly isn't like an Oscars type film. I mean, it's a massive family blockbuster. Yeah. Um, And then they show the trailer for that and it did feel like an odd place. Although I can also see the angle they're coming at it of, Oh, let's make the Oscars more of an event where people will want to tune in to see glimpses if, of films that they're excited about and they want the to case what they should do is they should include trailers in the commercials like they should sell airtime on the commercial like the super bowl right. and there should be like there should be like oh the oscars are going to have new trailers air in the commercials and that could be like a big thing that they do mm-hmm. i think True. that would be a good idea because it's not yeah. like it's not like they're stopping the super bowl you know a quarter of the way through to have <laughs> how uh, them come out and just like announce the little mermaid right they do that in the commercials. So, yeah. and there's plenty of commercials for the Oscars, plenty, and they're all very bland and boring. And it would make it would make it more exciting to watch the show for four hours if the commercials were also like something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's the route I think they should go. It would get more of an audience, I think. Yeah, I think they should look into doing that because I'm not opposed to the idea of making the Oscars more of a place to ooh catch trailers for films that are coming out later this I think year. It's a great it's idea. like an exclusive thing. Um, but yeah, doing but embedding it within the sh- yeah, embedding it within the show is a little odd. Um, in terms of the in memoriam segment, we always usually have something to say about these. What do you think this year? Apparently, you're a Lenny Kravitz hater. We no, go, I'm not a hater. We won't go into that too much, but I don't know. You were <laughs> very cold on him being the singer it was during the in memoriam me that segment. He was the one that was singing the in memoriam section. I'm not. A, I'm not a Lenny Kravitz hater. What I hated is that Charles B. Dean 
who passed away last year and was in Triangle of Sadness, which is a Best Picture nominee for this year, was not mentioned in the Immemorium. And she is an actress who has been in several films, and she passed away very young and tragically, and is literally in one of the movies nominated for Best Picture. It was not included in the Immemorium. Mm-hmm. That I don't get. Yeah, that brought up a discussion as we were watching it of how do they determine which actors or actresses or crew workers are submitted to the in memoriam segment like is the family involved at any point is there a certain Mm -hmm. amount of like requirements you have to have in terms of like films you've been in or the unions you belong to that make you get admitted to it are Mm -hmm. they all like academy members i don't think so but that could also be another thing of like oh if they've never been in the academy then they aren't included in the in memoriam so I have no idea what the actual like rules are for people to get included, but you're right. That was a very glaring omission. And there were a couple other ones that people were chatting about as well. But yeah, that one, just because she was in the one of the best picture films, it was very strange not to see really? her be recognized as well. Um, but yeah. overall, I think this was the best in memoriam segment for uh, the past few years because they stripped it back they focused more on the people that were being honored rather than like the performance itself the one from two Lenny years Kravitz ago did really well yeah yeah that was i was talking about one? where like they focused it more on the performance yeah. rather than no i'm thinking of one last year where they had that the wire that was the one last year right well yeah yeah wire. that was what i'm talking about i was thinking what was the one from two years ago at the weird steven soderbergh one what did they do then they did something weird sure. then too I think it was a similar sort of thing, but it was like, it wasn't a huge group performance. Yeah. But it that was, one was weird last year for sure. Yeah. But overall, I'm happy with, again, they took it back to basics. I think it works well. Yeah, uh, for sure. As we mentioned already, there's no major incidents, although Cocaine Bear did try and maul Malala Yousafzai, Nobel Peace Prize winner. What did you think of that? Uh, just awkward, cringe. I just, why, why would they do that? Why would they I don't do know. That? It was very strange. I thought it would have been hilarious if Cocaine Bear took off his mask and it was Will Smith. <laughs> that would have been You're the right. thing. Could that you imagine that? That would have been funny. And then he slaps Moala. <laughs> How horrible. <laughs> that would be truly insane. But yeah, no, Cocaine Bear, they just had on stage during like a presentation and brought him out into the audience just weird. to attack malala for a bit it was kind of odd um but i don't know that was another kind of like bitty thing where they were really just promoting cocaine bear which i thought was a little weird it is i mean i don't know how much of promotion is because again the people that are at the oscars do they really care about cocaine bear no but what is weird is that it's like a 2023 movie yeah in a celebration of all these like 2022 films yeah that's the that's like that's what i'm saying is like it's the same thing as the little mermaid they're promoting a movie by having them there. And I just, I don't know. I mean, if it had, maybe if it had just been the cocaine bear instead of Elizabeth Banks, it would have been Jimmy Kimmel making a joke. But with Elizabeth Banks there, it's definitely like this is a promotion. Like they're promoting No, I don't think so. They were clearly making a joke at themselves. The movie itself knows not to take itself seriously. I don't think anyone is going to be compelled to go see Cocaine Bear after seeing. I mean, Elizabeth Banks, someone like, you can say both at the same time. She was there promoting the movie as well as making a joke of it. Maybe. But do yeah, I don't think the first intention, like, yes, them being there can act as promotion. But I don't think 
people at Universal Studios was like, oh my gosh, you know, it'd be a great idea to get people into the theater to watch Cocaine Bear. Let's have Elizabeth Banks go there with someone in a bear suit. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was definitely meant to be just a bit. Maybe, maybe not. It can result in promotion, but I don't think that was like the intention. Whereas clearly, I mean, Little Mermaid was. You know, filmmakers can promote their own film, right? They don't need direction from the people at Universal Pictures. Elizabeth Banks herself can say, hey, this will be this will be funny. It'll be very good for my movie if I go out there with the, the cocaine bear and make a joke because I'm a funny woman and this could be a good bit. Sure. But again, I don't That's think her saying. first uh, intention there was like, yes, promotion. It's not like it's stacked one another like, oh, this is going to be a good bit. Oh, and you know what? This is going to be a good promotion. I mean, it's it's a synergy of the same thought at the same time. I disagree, but this is a meaningless conversation. Cocaine Bear was there. It sure. did not take down Malala. Thankfully, Jimmy Kimmel saved the day. So there we go. Horrible. Flawless bit. Fantastic. It will live on forever in Oscars history. Terrible bit. Now let's talk about the uh, the awards themselves and the films that were recognized. We'll start from the very bottom of our list in no particular order, although this time we will be ending with Best Picture. Starting with International Feature. All Quiet on the Western Front. We knew that was happening. We both Very got easy well, I'm prediction. Keep tally of how many you predicted right and how many, or did you already do it? Uh, I did not because I don't. All right, then I'm going to do it because it was uh, mostly, I mean, influenced by our roster picks anyway. So yeah, still, I want to. I mean, I made plenty of picks outside, and I want to see, want to see you got it right. Uh, well, Navalny for documentary feature. That one was the victor. Best animated feature: Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. For best documentary short, The Elephant Whispers, they won. And for best animated short, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, they all won. Mm-hmm. The uh, animals are very well represented in the short categories here. A mole, a fox, a horse, elephants. It's a good time to be an animal. Oh, yeah. Big time. For best live action short, An Irish Goodbye. Also good time to be Irish. Happy St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Ryan. Forgot to say. And best makeup and hairstyling, the whale. Can't believe that. So absurd. Fat You're crazy. It's just Come a fat on. suit. Come on. Elvis. What is, what is Elvis? It's two fat suits. Get the fuck out of here. And all the hair and makeup that has to go into recreating Elvis in 50s and 60s and 70s. Come on. It's, it's the same thing. It's just a fat suit and makeup and hair. I mean, the same thing in the whale. It's fat suit, makeup, and hair. One yep. is recreating something. The other is creating something new. It's like comparing an actor who's doing a biopic and an actor who's doing an original character. They're not both biopic. acting. So the makeup and hair in the whale, objectively, is not as labor-intensive as what was going on in the Elvis. And you know it. So where are you trying to compare this? I do know it. What are you talking about? He's in that fat suit every goddamn day on set, and they show him shirtless, and it's believable. Okay, but that's not hairstyling, number one. And then they also, did his hair. What the fuck are you talking about? about the other you thought that was his real fucking hair? Yes, they did his hair, but it's not doing a bunch of different hairstyles such as you have to do with Elvis and then all the people around him. And then I think it's pretty hard to all the to makeup stuff Day as well. in, day out for a month, come in and make sure he has the exact same hair every single time and have the exact same makeup every single time because he's playing the exact same character for three days. I'm not denying that it takes a level of skill. I'm just saying, Elvis, there's a lot more going on. Just because there's more going on doesn't mean it's more impressive. And it was very faithful to what we can actually see. Like there's a real world comparison. The whale is very faithful to to obese people. (laughs) That is not true. Obese people hate that film. So I don't know what you're trying to get off on. And also 
I'm talking about like there's the real person Elvis that is lives in the cultural consciousness and there's plenty of videos of him that people can go and see and they had to recreate that stuff so that we the audience would buy into Austin Butler. But just cuz they're recreating doesn't mean it. doesn't mean it's the the thing you need to nominate. I mean or it doesn't mean it's the thing it needs to win it doesn't make it more impressive. You and I don't I mean, know anything about makeup or hairstyling so we don't know the actual complexities of what went into either design. We don't know the intricacies of what made it more complicated. This was True. voted on by makeup and hairstylists who know what it's about. True, we don't know the intricacies, but as you know. I think it's more impressive because they did a lot of hairstyles. Fat suits do tend to win a lot. That is very true. The they do tend stuff. to win a lot. Yeah, for so, sure. So, again, I don't know. I guess people say that is the most intensive part of it. But, again, I wager that Elvis with two fat suits. <laughs> <laughs> Twice as difficult had that stuff and again i mean i think it's a clear mark of like difficulty to have to recreate something that most people are going to be able to easily identify such as elvis whereas the whale the person that brendan fraser is playing i mean that could look like anything and we'll buy into it because that's yeah but he has to be easy to identify on every scene which means you have to have a certain consistency Agreed, but same Which thing with Elvis. I mean, itself. they have to do that too. Yeah, you're saying like the three days thing. So we but... agree that, that that it's challenging in either case. I mean, you I agree. and I don't I'm know not... anything about makeup and hairstyling, Ryan. Why were we arguing about it? <laughs> the makeup and hairstylists have, be... have voted, and they voted for the whale. I'm not saying we, we have to be absolute experts in it. I'm just saying that we have to. Also, I'm pretty sure, although I'm not sure, is it the nominations that's category specific, or is it the actual win, like when they're voting on the winner that it's? Uh, now that you uh, said, I actually don't know. I guess I could look that up real quick. I'm not too sure. Either way, I'm just saying, again, we can make our own personal preferences. We don't have to be experts experts on experts. the entire thing. Um, I'm just saying my personal preference would be Elvis. The whale is your personal preference. And you know what they voted for? The whale. So you got it, Mr. Uh, oh, you're right. All the Adrian branches Rowe. vote for everything. See, that's what I'm saying. So they right, saw so I take, it, I take it back. and they You're said, right. winner. Right, I take it back. I take it back. The <laughs> okay. makeup and hairstylist nominated the whale, but we all voted for it because we all loved it. <laughs> Either way, it's very deserved. I mean, I'm just playing it up because I wish Elvis would have won. Uh-huh. But yeah. you chose the whale for your draft. The whale did, in fact, win. You also chose it for your predictions. So yeah. there you go. The whale, yeah. the victor for makeup and hairstyle. Indeed. Best production design, all quiet on the Western front. Mm-hmm. So... I was wrong in that. I chose Babylon. I went with my heart. All quiet in the Western Front. They ended up winning. The trenches. Can't beat them. Can't beat uh, them. For best sound, Top Gun Maverick. No surprise there. Not at all. Both best costume that. design. Best costume design. Big shock. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ruth E. Carter. Upset Elvis, which we both voted for. It's a little crazy. I know. That was definitely a big shock. Would um, you call it an upset? I wouldn't call it. In upset because I mean she won the last time she was nominated for this for a Black Panther movie so it mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, it was just yeah the way things were going it seemed like Elvis was gonna take it but isn't she Black the Panther first Black her. woman to win two Oscars? Is that true? I, I, th- I think I read that somewhere. It'd be wild. Um, but yeah, Ruth Carter was able to get another victory and she also had a very nice acceptance speech. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, after that, best film editing, my beloved Top Gun Maverick did not win. It was everything ever all at once, Paul well Rogers, deserved. which was, again, yeah, very well deserved. I mean, had fantastic editing in there. For sure. You predicted it. 
Best film editing. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Best visual effects. Obviously, Avatar The Way of Water. I mean, it would have been crazy if it went to anything else. <laughs> Could you imagine if All Quiet won that? That would be... I would be insane. pissed. Truly Absolutely insane. Um, best cinematography. All Quiet on the Western Front. James Friend. He was the victor. Best original score. All Quiet on the Western Front. Volker, Volker Bertelmann. There that one was a shocker. We both were incorrect there. Yes, we were. Best original song, Natsu Natsu, RRR. We both Hell yes. chose that. Definitely yes, the did. winner. Best adapted screenplay, Women Talking. That's all yours, Ryan. Yeah, Sarah Polly, she did it. Best original screenplay, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Daniels winning for that. Yes. Best director, The Daniels. We were both wrong about that. We thought it'd be Steven Spielberg, but sweep, sweep. Yeah, the sweep happened. Uh, best supporting actor, Kiki Kwan, for everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, that was in the bag from. Oh, people. yeah, for sure. Best actor, Brendan Fraser, fucking called. Oh, I skipped one. Best supporting <laughs> yeah. actor. I was looking at that supporting actress and I'm like, whoa, Brendan Fraser won best supporting actress? <laughs> My bad. It's amazing. Best He's supporting on fire. actress, Jamie Lee Curtis. I called it. Yeah, there was uh, in our Oscars viewing party, <laughs> there was some hoopla over that. You were the one and only Jamie Lee Curtis supporter there. Yes, I was. Um, for her victory. I mean, we and all enjoyed her in that role. But yeah, her being the victor over all the rest of the nominees. Definitely a yeah. shock to everyone except you. Definitely. Um, what do you think of her acceptance speech? <laughs> I thought it was good. I mean, she was just talking about wanting genre films to be represented more and that she was so happy to finally win after so much effort in the industry I mean, she's been there for such a long time mm -hmm. 50 years of work Did she in this say industry. the thing of like i'm all of you or you're all of me or something like that like she i'm did say something like that and then and then i think i made the joke she's all of us exactly but she was saying <laughs> she was really saying good. i am she was saying i am uh what is it i'm my uh, the, the agent i am my manager i like everybody that has helped me is standing up here with me she, that's what she was saying but i liked it i liked her speech yeah it was good but i thought it was funny too of the ariana debose connection what do oh, you think sure. as well did you see that of angela bassett she was not happy when her she name wasn't? was not called oh no. let me rewatch the video then after we finish recording this because yeah. that's interesting i didn't even know that it wasn't she was still i was looking straight at jamie lee curtis knowing she was gonna win i had such confidence <laughs> her mouthing shut up that was pretty good she always yeah, has amazing reactions whenever she yeah, was she called does. so that's great i mean good for her yeah she definitely I think of all the people. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because Angela Bassett was pretty upset about that many. Yeah, but you can tell like she had genuine like love of being recognized there, mm -hmm. and that she didn't expect it, but you did. Yeah. You called it. Yes, I did. And best actor. Spoiler alert! It was Brendan Fraser for the whale. <laughs> I also called that one. Crazy. You really thought it'd be Austin Butler? I did. No, I was stunned. Of course not. I mean, we knew when it got makeup. I was like, okay, well, it's gonna be Brendan Fraser then. But yeah, but Brendan Fraser. I mean, come on, he 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 had the better story. He did. He had and the, a very the good narrative. But the narrative really pushed it over the edge. It always. Oh, does. for sure. Yeah. And for best actress, again, very well deserved. But with the far better narrative, making it a historic victory, Michelle Yeoh for everything, everywhere, all at once. She that was beautiful she to see. Ate that shit up. She earned it. <laughs> Slut. She sure did. And finally, 
Best Picture announced by Harrison Ford to everyone's delight. Everything everywhere, all at once. God, I loved it when he ran up and hugged Harrison Ford. I know that was hugged so him. God, that was so good, beautiful. And they did the thing too of like <laughs> what they did with the Chadwick Boseman thing of okay, we're gonna put something out there so that it'll hopefully be a beautiful moment. And this time and it works. Let's hope it works. And this time, yeah, for sure, it works. Well, I think it would have worked on multiple levels. The Fablemans had one. Steven Spielberg could have been up there to say mm-hmm. hi to Harrison Ford. Or if All Quiet on the Western Front had won, I mean, I yeah, I got nothing there. That's it. <laughs> Something related to Germans and yeah. Nazis or yeah. something like something that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it worked quite well. So, it, yeah, the favorite <laughs> ones one would have worked. But this one, definitely they put that there so they could get the beautiful photo op of Harrison Ford hugging Kiki Kwan. Yeah. And that was just fantastic. Oh, so yeah. So you love to see it. And we got to mention, I mean, the sweep happened. We were discussing whether or not it would happen. How big of a sweep would it be? It was a huge sweep, Seven. a historic sweep. Seven. Everything ever all at once won six above the line categories. Mm-hmm. Never happened before. That's insane. Biggest, biggest sweep since uh what's it called? Slumdog Millionaire, which was eight. Yeah. That's crazy. We've 10 had ten years, a, 15, 12 years. Yeah, that is crazy. We've had a couple get like six wins, but yeah, this one with seven, a full major sweep. It was nominated Incredible. for eleven awards in ten different categories and won seven. So yes. a great record for them. Indeed. Like that is astonishing. So huge, historic mm-hmm. Oscars with everything ever all at once. Absolutely. In terms of our angel. predictions, though, we predicted on 20 different categories. You got 11 predictions correct. I got 15. So wow. I'm feeling pretty good about <laughs> myself. Good for you, but it's time to feel even better. What Let's really talk about matters, the Oscar draft. Yeah, it was the Oscar draft, and how did that fare for us? So going into the ceremony, based on the nominations alone, I had 25 points, and you had 34. Mm-hmm. So you were sitting in a great position. I had to climb Mount Everest, basically, to beat you. And I'll tell you what, the path to victory I, path to victory I had, it evaporated very quickly in the ceremony. So we oh, knew yeah. it was going to go your way. Um, sure. But how big it went your way. This is going to be some crazy stuff to look at. So oh, let's yeah. go through the films that were on our roster and how each of them performed. So kick us off. Now, everything everywhere all at once. Of course, on my roster, seven wins. Monumentous. I fucking killed it. Absolutely yeah. killed it. That was amazing, but what's even crazier is the only other film on our draft that got multiple wins was The Whale with two wins. Incredible. We really should have picked up All Quiet on the Western Front. What a miss. It was a miss, but it was like not on the radar at all at the time yeah. we did it. Like It kind of was, but we didn't know it would be this huge. Yeah. If you had picked that up, you would have been a lot closer. I would have. Well, I chose Elvis instead of All Quiet, and I it because those were the two I was going for in my fifth pick. And yeah, should have gone all quiet. Yeah. After that, it was Top Gun Maverick, which was on your roster. It had one win. Avatar The Way of Water on your roster, of course. The guaranteed win. Women Talking, also on your roster, had one win. And then after that, Fablemans, zero wins. Tar, zero wins. Babylon, my beloved, zero wins. Elvis, zero wins. 
and Banshees of Inisherin. Zero wins. That's crazy. So this is crazy. Yeah, Fablemans, which was the first round pick, zero mm-hmm. wins. Babylon, my first pick, zero wins. And then Banshees was also fairly soon after that had zero wins. And then Elvis and Tar, despite their nominations, like Elvis had eight. Banshees had like seven or something. God. Fablemans had six or seven. Fucking sweet. Zero I mean, everything everywhere all at once was like a third round pick for me. That's crazy. It was. Like this is astonishing stuff. And then for the non-roster films, all quiet on the Western Front with four. So it was behind everything everywhere as the uh, highest awarded film at this yeah. ceremony. Black Panther had one win. And RRR with that song win. Not one win. So what are the final results, Ryan? So my tally after two wins was brought up to 31. Woo! And? You're going to make me say it? Yes. You don't want to say it? You don't want to say it. And then Dylan with a combined 10 wins for the films on his roster bumped his total tally up to an astonishing 64 points. We are the champions, <laughs> my friends. Bow, bow, get fucked. Do a smash cut to last year for the Oscars draft when you're like, this is stupid. I'm not do this anymore. I hate this. <laughs> and, then, and then you doing, we are the champions. See, I told yeah. you there's always a chance to come back next year. Yeah. And this time you absolutely demolished it. That's yes, crazy. 64? Yeah. That's going to be tough to Fuck. beat in any future Oscar drafts as like oh, a yeah. record total tally. I'm just too good. That's insane. Just too so good. It's because of that sweep. That was my sweep. Spider-Man. That was my Avatar too. For <laughs> it was. Comparison for sure. Everything, ever all at once was definitely the heavy hitter. Massive sweep. Like that's yeah. going to be what it takes to ever exceed yeah. like 64. We're going to have to have a film that does a huge sweep like that. Oh, yeah. And fun fact, just like last year. The winner would have won on nominations alone. My total nominations beat out your final result. I had 34 points from nominations alone, and you only had 31 at the end. Very true. Big sad for you. Big sad for me. indeed. Great for me. I'm loving it. I love the thrill of competition has consumed me, and I will be <laughs> doing this every year until I die. Fantastic. So, yeah, we'll see what next year brings, how things will shake out, but... For the moment, you've won this Oscars draft and you've set the record for most amount of points in the Oscar draft. 64. It's crazy. More than double mine. That yeah, get fucked. Okay, now let's move on to the bonus award categories. So we mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun to create a couple of categories that are never going to be recognized at the Oscars because mm-hmm. they focus in on smaller bits and pieces of movies um, but things like best line of dialogue most beautiful shot things like that we're going to present nominees for a maximum of five nominees mm-hmm. and then we're going to each select the winner that we presented and then we're just going to see at the end of all of it which films were most represented in our bonus award categories yeah so that'll be a fun little thing so we're going to start out and we don't know each other's nominees is going to be a surprise to each of us as we unveil them. And then, of course, the winner, when each of us select them, we'll be able to talk about why that person chose it, how they made their decision. But let's begin 
with lines of dialogue. Did right. you get a full five nominees? I've only got four, unfortunately. There are only four, four. I can think of that I think top the charts for best lines of dialogue. There was a fifth one I was thinking about, but I just didn't think it was quite good enough to make the list. Gotcha. So I'm going to so leave I it have four. my five here. My first, Fire of Love. The quote, a kamikaze existence in the beauty of volcanic things. Just beautiful. The wording of that is fantastic. Very good. Everything, everywhere, all at once. From Waymond, when I choose to see the good side of things, I'm not being naive. It is strategic and necessary. It's how I learned to survive through everything. Next, Apollo 10 and a half. My grandparents' reaction to having lived through the depression was to feel it was going to happen again at any moment. That one just on a, its own is a pretty clever, astute observation. Yeah. But yeah, the way that it ties in with that whole film of just us getting familiar with this family and how they go through day-to-day life, I think it's a nice representation of what that whole film was able to achieve. Mm-hmm. After that, The Fablemans, unless I make a movie about it, what a cheeky little remark. When he was dealing with his bully and he was having this whole emotional breakdown, and he was warning him, hey, you better not tell anyone about this. And Sammy Fableman was like, oh, I won't, unless I make a movie about it. Doesn't Beautiful. He like, doesn't he have to look at the camera for a second? Kind of does. Like He's looking in that direction, the way the coverage is shot. He's like looking at the guy, but it definitely has him looking like very close to the lens. Yeah. So it's a beautiful, cheeky little fourth wall break. I enjoy that very much. And then finally, everything, everywhere, all at once. In another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. And I assume this will appear on your list of nominees. So why don't you go ahead and share your top four lines of dialogue from 2022. So my nominees actually only come from two different movies. Interesting. Four nominees from two different movies. The first one is You Were Dancing With Your Dog from Banshees. (laughs) I think it has to do with the line delivery, but it was killer. I love this line. (laughs) Who said that? Who was it that said that? Uh, Colin Farrell. He says, you were dancing with your dog. Nice. It's perfect. (laughs) Then also from Colin Farrell from Banshees. You used to be nice, or did you never used to be? Oh, God, maybe you never used to be. I think that's pretty killer. Mm-hmm. That was in his acting reel. That was oh, yeah. the moment they chose. It's the best. It's the, yeah. his best part of that movie. From everything, everywhere, all at once, of course. In another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. Classic. And also from everything, everywhere, all at once. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Sounds very good. Heartfelt. Ryan, who's your winner? My winner comes from everything, everywhere, all at once. In another life, I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. I fucking agree. Best line of the year. So good. It absolutely is. They, the like producer dude that accepted for best picture, he dropped that line in the middle of his Mm -hmm. speech. This is definitely one of those that are going to be up on those like lists or posters of like best movie quotes of all time, this is going to be up there because it's just amazing. Like in isolation, the line itself works really well. It carries a sweet message, but in context of everything going on with that film, it just hits so hard. It's so beautiful. For sure. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. 
Okay, our next category, Best 2022 Trailer. Dylan, did you come up with any nominees for this? I came up with five. Now, I meant to clarify, but I didn't. Is Best 2022 Trailer the best trailer for a movie that came out in 2022 or the best trailer that came out in 2022? Since I didn't specify, I'll say just any. So it could be any trailer that came in. My intention was kind of like movies that came out in 2022, but... Because that's what I went with. So I think we're on the same page. So let's just go for it. My best 2022 trailers were Everything Ever All at Once, which is a trailer I didn't see until after the movie came out. I watched the movie first, and then I watched the trailer, and the trailer was still great. The Batman. Fantastic trailer. I mean, talk about getting me hyped. Mm -hmm. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Another really, really great trailer that got me very hyped that I watched a lot. Babylon. Was very excited for that. Oh, nice. Have you and still not seen that movie, though? No, but I really liked gotcha. the trailer. <laughs> and Banshees of Inishirin. It was it was a little simple trailer, but I mean, I had already had a lot of hype for the movie, and when it came out, it definitely met my expectations, and I was very excited for it. Incredible. Those are my trailer picks. Okay, mine are The Batman. Oh, yeah. Joining you there. Top Gun, the final trailer. Because this trailer, if you remember, like back when it was about to come out, mm-hmm. it wasn't even on our schedule of like things to talk about. Like we didn't have an episode slot for it. Yeah. But as it was getting closer and closer, and I kept hearing rave reviews and I keep watching that final trailer, I was just getting so hype that I was like, Dylan, we got to talk about it. We got to have an episode on Top Gun Maverick. So mm-hmm. that final trailer was very pivotal in making me so hype. That mm-hmm. The trailer, men. Remember that? H24 oh, film? that was a good trailer. You're it's a right. really good trailer. Like anytime I was in the theater and then that played and then the title card came up, it always got a reaction. Um, and it also was really good on creating that like eerie atmosphere mm-hmm. and vibe. So that was a really solid trailer. The Avatar teaser trailer. I was oh, a big fan yeah, of that one. You're right. That was good. And then the Black Panther teaser trailer. I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. So, Dylan, who, so we have two um, crossovers, the Batman and Black Panther mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever. What is your winner out of your five nominees? It's got to be Batman. I mean, I was so hyped for it when that trailer came out. It looked so good. It met all my expectations. It had the, the what was it, the Nirvana song going in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk about epic. Everything sure. was perfect in that trailer. That's amazing. Yeah, that was a really solid trailer. Uh, but I got to give it to Top Gun. Black Panther. Not Whoa. Top Gun. But as I've said before, I said many times when you're talking about Black Panther, I was not excited at all for this film. Mm-hmm. Not, I was more skeptical of it just because the whole Chadwick Boseman thing. For sure. Obviously, Marvel fatigue was hitting in. So I was not hype for it. But after mm-hmm. seeing that trailer, I was like, this is going to be fantastic. Hell a good trailer. I was debating so, between Batman and Black Panther, but I mean, I just, I just love that Batman trailer. Yeah. But what they do there of like, no woman, no cry being like melded into the other songs and then the score itself yeah, coming in as well. Like just what they do with that was fantastic. And then the way it started off so emotional and then build and ramp up to the more climactic actiony parts of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so well constructed and it made me, I mean, that's what the trailer's job is to do is to get you interested in it. And it made me turn from a skeptic to a supporter. And exactly. someone who really wanted to go in to the theaters and watch that film. That's so beautiful. For me, that was the top trailer from 2022. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Thanks, we have our best fist pump moment. Yes. So, and we were kind of vague on the like categories here. Yeah. Fist pump. What did that mean to you, Dylan? To me, it meant like either getting hyped because something awesome just happened or just like getting excited because something's happening to a character you don't like. Just getting really excited in the seat, like yeah. physically moving around. Something's happening that's really great. I only had four nominees for this one. What did you have, Ryan? Five? I have five, yeah. You have five, have for, five all of them. for all of them, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was I able thought. to come up with them. But yeah, that's the thing. If you are actually physically fist pumping or you have that urge mm-hmm. or something's just really hype, gets really excited, it's you like leaning forward going like, oh yeah, something's about to happen. That was sort of my mindset for what would be the nominees for best fist pump moment. Yeah. And my five nominees, I have first the Batman with the Batmobile firing up, which was fantastic, which by the way, snubbed for best sound because that was fantastic. And the whole rest of that film too, what they do with sound. Um, nope. The brother sister, when they're like dapping each other up, Oh shit, you're right. That's that was sick. such a hype moment. Um, so yeah, that one's in there. And then Top Gun Maverick. Maverick doing the trench run in under three minutes. Top Gun Maverick again. Maverick and Rooster getting in the F-14. And then Top Gun Maverick again. <laughs> Hangman saving Mav and Rooster at the very end. So, Oh, fuck. That was my fifth one. That's what I was going to put there. But then I ran out of time while I was working on this at work. It was hangman saving them but that i couldn't remember his name so i didn't write it down <laughs> so i do have five nominees never mind okay beautiful so yeah take us through the rest of your five all right so hangman saves the day obviously top gun uh the trench run top gun i copied you 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 wrote it down as an example and then i was like he's right that's the, that's <laughs> the best example uh uh the the uh oh wait i did write it. i put saved at the end i just didn't put his name so i did have four nominees so yeah, those two moments from Top Gun Maverick. The Batmobile starts in the Batman. Nice. I mean, come on. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. And then this was going to be a bit surprising to you. The vomit sequence in Triangle of Sadness. Really? Oh, this is such a payoff to <laughs> that one grab bag where we talked about it. So, so exciting. You, you are a known anti-vomit person. You don't Very like true. seeing vomit in film. Very true. So I was like, hmm, there's going to be a scene <laughs> with a lot of vomit. For me, who I, I'm also not like a big, oh, we're watching people vomit or. I just, have, as as far as humor goes, I feel like it's a low bar. I think so too. Um, and but it's I just, think in the context of it exciting film, and new. Yeah. In the context of this film, having it be like the uber wealthy elite and ha- watching them be pretentious for half an hour and then having this happen to them and having it happen so like steadily, like it goes on for 10 minutes very slowly as it builds up and then it just starts exploding everywhere. I mean, it just works on so many levels. And Woody Harrelson and the Russian guy just getting drunk at the same time. I mean, it's just perfect. I love mm-hmm. it. Wow, that is... Talk about, I was just hyped. I was like, yes, get fucked, rich people. Get fucked. Watching them eat all those disgusting seafood mm-hmm. and the captain has a burger. <laughs> it's so good. It is funny. Okay. So for my selection for best fist pump moment, it's got to be from Top Gun Maverick, of course. Of course. Very well represented in this category. And it's going to be the trench run where he does it in under three minutes, the like mm. practice trench run thing. It's just so good. And the way, I mean, we talked about it during our Top Gun Maverick review, 
but it was really well shot and that we got to see mm-hmm. all the reactions of all the people that were in there and especially hangman who's you know the best of his class and thinks maverick past his prime won't be able to do it but he showed them that it's possible yeah. it just works so well what an amazing moment I'm going to go also with Top Gun Maverick. I'm going to go with the moment where Hangman saves them at the end. I mean, it's just when you have so much action packed into like a 30-minute sequence of them going in and trying to drop the bombs, then the fighters come out and they have to flee from the fighters and then they crash land and then they're running from the enemy and then they get in the F-14 and then they fly off and then they fight the enemy even more and then uh, Maverick gets two more kills and then the third one's coming in to get him, and Hangman finally saves the day. I mean, that's just like the, the epitome of all of that action built up into that final conclusion. Talk about a fist bump. <laughs> Absolutely. That's it right there. Okay, now for the most tense slash white knuckle moment, the one that has you on the edge of your seat, it's your heart racing. Dylan, what were your nominees? Ooh, I had three, but I just thought, of a really good fourth one. Nice. Add it. Get it in there. Uh, let me just think of how to work. I'll just I'll just say it. Okay, so we have the trench run in Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, getting it, it's very tense because he has to get there in under three minutes. The car chase in Batman where he's chasing down the penguin. I think it's very exciting and very tense. Bird Strike, Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be Bird Strike at Top Gun. I mean, come on. That's right. very intense. And then the fourth one I just thought of, the uh, the actual flashback scene in Nope with the monkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. For my five nominees, I have the Batman. When Riddler unveils his plans and then we start seeing it set into motion, like those bombs going off and all the... All of his little fans uh, that watch his stream, getting ready, gearing up, and going to shoot up the one uh, arena that everyone's getting funneled into. Yeah. For Top Gun Maverick, we have Mav and Rooster in the F-14 escape. So that's like the tail end. So after they go and they take the F-14, and then they have to fight that one really high-tech jet fighter that was doing that like spinning maneuver. So cool. Uh, the Woman King... Viola Davis, when her character is recounting her backstory, that one was really intense. Mm-hmm. Babylon, Tobey Maguire, his character leading the main character Manny down through the sewers of L.A. Oof, that one was intense. And then in Pearl, Mitzi, oh. the sister-in-law character, trying to defuse the situation as Pearl is getting more and more unhinged and is she's slowly starting to realize that Pearl might attack her and try and kill her and that was a really effective scene as well um so yeah for me the winner is the batman i know you don't like this whole final part of the batman all that stuff with the river and whatnot i agree some his plan doesn't really make sense based on everything he was trying to do before that but that particular moment when we get the revelation of uh oh this is his master plan he's gonna flood the city and send a bunch of shooters to the place that everyone's going to be holed up to survive the flooding. It was just so intense. Like, again, my heart was racing at that point. I don't know if it's just the way that he was being shot and edited and cut together with his maniacal laughter, like over it. If it's the connection to like the real world fears that we have with shootings and whatnot. Um, But 
it was the one that got me the most. Like I remember distinctly in the theater feeling very tense. Um, mm. And that feeling stuck with me all the way until here. It's like the most memorable moment where I was, yeah, like gripping the edge of my seat. For you, though, what is your most tense moment of a 2022 film? It's got to be Bird Strike. Bird Strike. You love the Bird Strike. <laughs> I love the Bird Strike scene. I mean, it's just great. Mm-hmm. It is. Just, yeah, I think that's the epitome of making a scene very tense. It's to just really, really have like a normal sort of action scene going and slow it down like it's about to end and then bam, throw birds at it. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock made a whole movie that was like that and it was fantastic. Exactly. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Best Use of Music. So I have five nominees again. Four. First is Top Gun Maverick with the Danger Zone homage in the very beginning. Sure. Just perfect. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just do what you were doing and it'll work. After that, Babylon, Voodoo Mama, which is like the main theme of Babylon. So good. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you got to listen to that score and watch that movie, please. Yeah, I will. Um, I will watch it. After that was also from Babylon, the Babylon, the Babylon. La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be Chazelle's next film, Babylon. To Babylon. It's just him remaking both films. Half the characters love dream. Hollywood, and half the characters hate Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, Bob, Bat. Oh my God! I'm <laughs> <up now. laughs> uh, the motifs from La La Land in the movie Babylon, and then after that, the Batman, the main theme, that part. I mean, of course, very memorable. And then Avatar, The Way of Water, the music that plays in the teaser trailer that has this like very ethereal vibe to it. It's got like the organ chords playing. And of course, that has a nice crescendo as more instruments build up and it gets more tense and the drums come in. So good. So Just those specifically are my the trailer though? Yes. I don't know if it was actually in the main movie. So Fair enough. <laughs> I'm saying for sure it was whatever was in that teaser trailer was the piece of music I'm talking about specifically. All right, so I've got all of everything everywhere all at once. I mean, just the way that they combine all those music pieces together is just fantastic. And then the way they use those themes throughout the movie, I think is great, even though you don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, I got to revisit it to fully appreciate it. But yeah, the way they use, I don't think it's necessarily horns. It's like a techno dr- beat drop in All Quiet on the Western Front. Because it's like, it's mm-hmm. a normal score with a normal orchestra. And then every once in a while it goes, bah, bah, bah. And it is a little like it's a little bit weird when you first hear it, but then the more it happens, the more intense it is. It's kind of like the marching of the beat as you're going into war. Mm. And so it does, it, it's very, very effective. Uh, the entire Natu Natu sequence in RRR, I haven't seen the whole movie, but I watched that sequence while Fernando was watching the movie because I heard it playing and I ran into the room to watch it. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh my God, it's amazing. And then finally, I don't know what the song is. I should have looked it up probably for this. But whatever song they played during the vomit sequence in Triangle of Sadness, oh. <laughs> the like the hardcore rock song that comes in out of nowhere, yeah, that Maybe. was that was my last pick. <laughs> okay, your winner, Ryan. My winner is Avatar: The Way of Water. Use the trailer that. music. I just love it. Again, I rewatched that trailer so many times for that music alone. It just transports you into like a magical place, like a fantastical land much like Pandora. So that mm-hmm. one is definitely the winner for me. What about you? Yeah. My winner is based on the, the definition of the category use of the music. Mm-hmm. 
the vomit sequence in Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> wow. The way they Wait. drop that song, that heavy hard rock song in the middle of this gross, gross sequence with all these uber rich people, it works so well. It makes it so much more funnier and so much more like dramatic. I loved it. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Now for the best WTF moment, one where you're most shocked, your jaw drops. What are your nominees for this? I got five of them this time. I was able oh, to think okay. of five of them. So the ending for Triangle Sadness. Oh yeah. Very well, much a very much a what the fuck moment. Not right? a good WTF, but certainly it's yeah. there. <laughs> uh in Tar, when she's chased by the dog and she falls down the stairs. Oh yeah. Sure. I was just kinda like, what is this? What is happening now? Because up until this, this has not been what this movie is. It's mm -hmm. weird to see the psychological thriller aspect come out and this specifically was like a very odd thing to do. And then she goes home and then lies about it. Like lies and doesn't even say that there was a dog or something like that. I was right. like, what? Uh, and then the last three are, are everything ever all at once. Um, when <laughs> Michelle Yao stabs Kihi Kwan, that was a what the fuck moment. Because I was so upset that she had stabbed him. Oh, that yeah. Moment. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Because I thought he was dead. And then he wasn't. Uh, the hot dog fingers and everything ever all at once. Mm. Just the whole build up to that was just fantastic. <laughs> and Rakakuni and everything ever all at once. Just that, that reveal. <laughs> Even though they have the setup of you being able to see the tail the first time his hairy shoe was shown. That whole reveal of just the raccoon being on his head is great. Nice. Nice crop of selections there. Thank you. For my WTF moments, first, I'm going to start out with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. The moment where Black Bolt gets his brain popped. Oh, good. That good part choice. was crazy. That one got a very big visceral reaction in the theater. Um, after that, <laughs> from Ambulance, which I don't think you've seen yet still, but the crazy moment where Jake Hall screams, I wish I didn't have herpes, but we got to do what we got. Like, we got to work with what we got. That stuff is just, <laughs> he's unhinged in that film. Like, you should watch it for that alone. My man is off his rocker in that. Off the meds, off the bills, off of everything. He's in sure. uh Banshees of Inshiran, when it's that one shot of when he's walking up the hill with all four of his fingers now cut off. Oh, yeah. That was insane. I was like, Dude, that was crazy. After that, X, the pitchfork kill. That was a very good one. I'm not going to go into any more detail because you okay. at some point need to watch X, but that one yeah. was wild. And then Top Gun Maverick, the brief moment when it looks like Jennifer Conley pushes Tom Cruise out of the second story window. Mm -hmm. When it's like his clothes that hit the ground, but it's actually just, or well, it looked like it was him, but it was just the clothes that hit the ground. And then he yeah. falls down soon after. That one was a very brief, but very major, like, what what just happened? Uh, so those are my picks right there. But what, what, what wins? What wins do you think? I, if, I, if I could guess, could I guess? Uh, I don't think you'll get it, but sure. What? Oh, then maybe I shouldn't guess. I was going to say Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I do love that one, but no, it doesn't It doesn't win. But just him in general, if, if I just made it, instead of moment, just like WTF, thing throughout a movie it would be jake gyllenhaal for sure yeah but i'm sure. giving to x the pitchfork kill wow really crazy yeah. i'm giving it to the hot dog fingers and everything ever all at once nice. just genius the yeah, build up of it <laughs> the the way that they use it throughout the rest of the movie loved it nice okay now for the best lol moments the ones where you actually busted a gut started laughing in the theater or at home if you were streaming it for me 
my nominees are. We have starting off with everything everywhere all at once. The dog getting hurled. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was crazy. That was good. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, where Mav and Rooster, their banter after they both got shot down. Tom Cruise like runs up to him, pushes him down. He's mm-hmm. like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? And he's like, you told me not to think. And then there's a nice beat after that. And then he like lifts his hand up. That was a great sequence of yeah. comedic timing between the two of them. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Again, the butt plug landing. I mean, that whole, again, the whole sequence of the butt plug thing. As they're both yeah. trying to, she's trying to stop him from doing that. But yeah, when he leaps over and then plops down right on top of it. Yeah. That was hilarious. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Jim Carrey's robot hand gestures. Again, you just have to watch the movie and you have to see it because <laughs> it's entirely based on his comedic presence. But when I was watching that, it just cracked me up so bad. And then from Where the Crawl Dad Sing, the honk moment that you had in theaters when it was the two of them, she's like, We're married like the geese. And then you just turn over to me and go, honk. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad they made the list. That was so funny. <laughs> it was really good. It was. It was amazing. She, she should have said it. Oh my god, it would have been so funny. Honk. <laughs> god, that would have been. I completely forgot I said that. That whole movie was just a weird trip. It was, but uh, our like banter in between all of it was great, and then that yeah. was just the cherry on top for sure. Honk. <laughs> <laughs> it was too good. All right, all right. My nominees. I got five on this one. Uh, the whole butt plug fight and everything. Ever all once. I agree. Just classic, hilarious, funny. Every time I watch it, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the bit in Banshees where he convinces the guy that his father was killed by a bread oh, truck, yeah. and his mother was killed by a bread truck, and he says, "If it's the same guy, I'm gonna fucking kill him." <laughs> that made that me is laugh. Really funny. Yeah. The, the scene in Banshees where he says, you were just dancing with your dog. I love that. It's just so funny. He's dancing with the dog and he walks in. And he, what does he say? He was, he's like, uh, it, he said it takes two to tango. And then, and then uh, Brendan Gleeson's like, I don't want a tango. And he says, but you were just dancing with your dog. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Uh, the prayer scene in The Fablemans, I laughed really hard in the theater. When the character has to be like praying with the the girl that he's into, and yeah, he that one was pretty it. good. That was really I good, thought because yeah. the whole movie had been not necessarily serious, but pretty like like average tone throughout the whole thing, and then that came up, and I just thought it was very funny, very well mm-hmm. done, and it went on for so long, so much <laughs> longer than it probably should have. But the longer it went, the more it made me laugh. And then the specific moment in everything ever all at once, where Jamie Lee Curtis's character has the hot dog fingers. And she's playing the piano with her feet. And her foot also has the uh, carpal tunnel wrap on it. And right. then Michelle Yao enters also with hot dog finger. It's, and Jamie Lee Curtis stops. And Michelle Yao says, no, don't stop, please. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I thought it was so funny that she just asked her to keep going. She's playing the piano with her feet very well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So for my pick... It's the moment where the dog gets hurled and everything around. It's just insane. Like the whole dog thing, but then just absolutely getting chucked. I did not expect that at all. It was so funny to me. I'm going to go with the hot dog fingers and the feet playing the piano. (laughs) It's just so good. 
if you were there, I was saying this to Fernando when we first watched this movie. I mean, I could not stop laughing. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> That's great. Two very different like types of comedy, but both from everything, everywhere, all at once. There you go. Incredible. Biggest LOL moment. All right. Next, we have best action set piece. Dylan, do you have five nominees? I do have five nominees. All right. I'm excited. Take us through them. The trench run, Top Gun Mavericks, the whole idea of them having to go through this trench, both when they're practicing it and when they're, they're actually executing that that process. It just reminds me so much of Star Wars, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire IRS building and uh, everything ever all <laughs> at once, the whole everything that happens in that one building, just the way that that set piece is designed, the way that the mm-hmm. stairs are designed. I mean, it's they it's a real building, and then they used it to such a good effect to to build this action piece, and it's just great. The I think the whole car chase in the Batman was really well done. I really liked it. The tank approach in All Quiet on the Western Front. You haven't seen it, but there's a scene close to the end where it's a bunch of tanks coming at the Germans, and it's brutal. Oh my god, crazy! Mm. And then just the whole goddamn train and bullet train. Oh I mean, yeah, the whole train <laughs> is one big action set piece, and it's it's pretty as as silly as the movie kind of becomes towards the end. It is still a great set piece because they use the train in a lot of different ways that I really like. They're on the outside of the train, on top of the train. They're fighting between the cars. I mean, they really use the train to the max, and I think it was well done. They did, for sure. I think the, um, yeah, the one, I would say the train, I agree with, specifically the moments where I can't remember exactly which one it was. I think it was the one with the venom where, like, someone was trying to attack her with a syringe. Um but I thought, yeah, that one was a really solid uh, use of just train. the environment, the train that was around them, yeah, um, the setting itself, and having to deal with that. But I did not pick Bullet Train for it. For my nominees, I had Avatar: The Way of Water when Jake and Atiri are wreaking havoc on the ship. Oh hell yeah! Right that is, oh, that is a good set piece. Yeah, that one was really good. The Top Gun Maverick, the trench run, like you said, where yeah. all of them are having to do that. Yeah, very star wars-esque but it's beautiful i mean star wars nailed it and then they nailed it in a more grounded you know real world sense so that was very very solid mm-hmm. everything ever all at once i agree the whole irs bit um but specifically the fanny pack fight oh yeah that one in particular was just so impressive good way to start it off so entertaining yeah um after that the northmen where they're infiltrating the village and it's him doing like a whole wonder thing but yeah starting from like the outside and then he's he catches a spear and throws it back and he's rushing up and like climbing up the wall with an axe and then gets yeah. over into the village and he's he's so badass just destroying movie. everything in there yeah that was fantastic and then i agree the batman batmobile chase extremely well done one of oh, the best yeah. like vehicle chases in quite some time like those are not easy to do it's hard to actually get invested in them but mm-hmm. that one was really well done Bro, when we do mission, when we do this next year, Mission Impossible is just going to be all five nominees. I swear <laughs> to God, so true. It's going to be, gonna it's be, gonna be Mission Impossible, and John, Wick. And John Wick. Yep, yeah. and Indiana Jones, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, that'll be, be John Wick. But I imagine, yeah, Mission Impossible and John Wick will be flooding this category for sure. But Who's your winner, year, Ryan? Yeah, for this year, my winner is the fanny pack fight. From everything oh, ever, all at once. Let's go beat Avatar. Incredible. It did. I mean, Avatar was really solid, but. That was computer stuff. Everything ever all at once. He had to actually do that. He was yes, actually he doing it. That's so amazing. 
Yes, he did. I'm going to go with the IRS, the whole building and everything ever all one. So I agree the fanny pack fight, but then I also agree just everything involved in it when they're fighting down in the lobby and when they have that big climb up the stairs. I mean, just the use of how that building's designed and how that big room is designed. They really used it well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Now moving on to the best tearjerker moment. What got you close to crying or got you actually crying from this past year's movies? For me, the nominees are Avatar The Way of Water and Tam's death, but specifically Neytiri's reaction because uh, that was brutal and it was coming. And then Zoe Saldana just every time she's crying, she goes for it. So like primal and visceral, it's rough. So that one got the waterworks gearing up. Um, mm-hmm. Everything ever all at once when Evelyn refalls in love with Waymond. And it has like the dynamic lighting playing on their face, spinning around. So beautiful, just so touching. That was fantastic. Cha-cha real smooth. The conversation with the mom that Cooper Rafe has, that one just hits close to home. Very touching. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The Chadwick montage at the end. Of course, it's meant to be like the T'Challa thing, but with the real world tragedy behind it. Oh, that's a good one. It was very effective. And then this may be a big shocker, but Ambulance legitimately was one of the five movies that got like the tears welling up in the eyes. It begins, there's this little girl that's caught on a cast iron fence. Like it's poked through her stomach. Mm. And we see one of the like medic characters come up and trying to free her from that. But she has to also like calm this little girl down, but also make sure she doesn't move or panic or anything like that. And for whatever reason, I'm in that film, which is very bombastic and loud and crazy. I mean, it's Michael Bay, but this very sweet, tender moment with this little girl, it just hit so hard. I don't know why. I really got to watch this movie. You do. Again, overall, the film, I'm like, I don't enjoy it that much, but it is a very entertaining film. And then this very brief moment towards the beginning was so emotionally resonant. Um, But yeah, those are my nominees. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to switch up. One of my nominees, because I just had a thought separate from everything you just said. It's just depending on which one I want to take out. Wow, so you have five and you're thinking you might have to to take one out. Yeah, I think I'm going to take this one out for sure. Uh, Okay, so my nominees are the taxes and laundry and everything, which is them refalling in love. So it's like the same sequence of events. I agree. That definitely had me on the edge of my seat and tears welling up my eyes. Uh, the be here with you speech and everything overall at once because it's just like it's it, it is bombastic like ambulance different and then it just sl- stops everything just stops and slows down and then they have this just very long interchange between the two of them and it's just so emotional and personal uh jenny dying in banshees i mean it's just devastating to me i mean anytime an animal dies is devastating but jenny the donkey i mean she was just mm-hmm. the best and to choke on a finger and then the specifically the shot of him and he's in the house sitting down and he has Jenny just laying on his lap, the dead body of Jenny. He's petting her. They really milk that shit because he's petting her and then they do a long bit where he's burying her. And then they overlay that with him writing a letter to his sister talking about how happy he is and how like how all the animals, including Jenny, are doing well. Like it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole ending of the whale. I wasn't a big fan of the whale. But the end definitely, it did stick a landing. It did stick a good landing at the end. And I really liked how it ended. 
And it definitely had me like welling up a little bit, wailing up a little bit, if you will. Uh, the one you that sound I like Brendan Fraser during his acceptance speech, making all those whale references. <laughs> the the one that I swapped out, it was originally uh, in Top Gun when he tackles. Uh, what's his name? That for you, that was a funny moment, and it is funny because they have a good interchange. But mm-hmm. I don't know, something about it just felt so familiar and friendly, and I really liked it. And it, it just got some tears out of me, but not as much as the uh, Michelle Williams's last scene in the Fablemans, where they're just sitting in the kitchen and they're just talking and they're talking about the like, prom. And it's just the two of them, just like hanging out, and just finally all the craziness has calmed down in their lives, and they can just be a mother and son. I like that scene. Beautiful. Who's your winner? So I think I'm going to have to give it to everything everywhere all at once during that scene. It's just, it hits so hard. It's so beautiful. Like, ah, even that moment where she's like looking at him lovingly and then he looks around behind him because he's like, why is she, what is she looking at with so much love in her eyes? It can't be me because this whole time she's been so sick of him. But now yep. she's finally able to see him and how beautiful and wonderful he is and positive and optimistic and caring and kind in every universe, not just this one. And she can finally see that. Yep. She falls back in love with him and it's just, you can't get better than that. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. That's the one I pick as well. I mean, it's just incredible. That whole taxes and laundry bit and then the follow-up afterward of them falling in love with the lights. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So well done. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast with the Daniels and Daniel Radcliffe, and they were all sitting down talking to each other because Daniel Radcliffe was in, uh, yeah, what's it called? Swiss Army Man. Yeah. And they're all named Daniel, so it's kind of perfect. <laughs> and so it was all of them talking. And uh, Daniel Kwan was saying when they first started editing it a little bit, the first scene he touched was uh, this, this scene with him doing the talk, taxes and laundry bit. And mm-hmm. he edited it together and then watched it back and then just started crying at his own movie. Wow. Because he thought it was so good. And it was incredible <laughs> can you imagine doing that like editing crying. a movie crying because you're like god i'm just so good <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah now we can do our next category which is the most beautiful shot the best shot of all the movies i mean this one was the hardest one for me because i had to i had to remember all the different shots and i the last one i came up with just now before we started recording today god it was just hard to pick but you go first me go first okay yeah i want you to go first all right my selections are the fablemans with young sammy projecting onto his hands like using his hands as the projector screen that was very beautiful fire of love the i mean it's the one from the poster as well it's the money shot the fire suit (laughs) yeah right you're right that is a fuck where yeah one of them is in the fire suit and they're right next to the lava geyser and it looks like so close on them like obviously something with whatever lens telephoto lens they were using allowed them to have that compression to where the foreground and background were so close together but it looks like they're literally feet apart from just this gushing geyser of lava coming out and it looks so beautiful it's so insane that that's like natural beauty that we're witnessing but then also it's very destructive and terrifying so just that shot, how it's able to capture all of that in one is just so fantastic. The Batman, when Batman is leading them out of the flooded arena with the flare, again, just the shot itself looks really good, but all the meaning that's packed within it, oh, so good. He is now becoming the light. 
to lead the way. He's not using vengeance anymore. He's using hope. Beautiful. In Babylon, which there could have been a great many selections from that, but I'm going to choose one where it's Lady Feiju's performance with the white glove. It's just immaculately composed. But the thing that was most striking to me about it was there's like a single spotlight that's on her as like the key light. Mm-hmm. And then it's cheated just slightly, not on like her face, but down towards like her chest area. Yeah. And she has this white glove on. She's also like smoking. So you see the smoke coming up, which is always nice. Yeah, and, of course. Like, dynamic smoke going through the shot. Uh, but then her white glove is acting as like a bounce board. So that light is hitting that and then casting back up on her face. Wow. And it just looks so beautiful. And the way it's like changing too, like during the performance. And I'm sure like I'd have to go back and see and be like, okay, there's like some meaning to what she's doing with her hand and then how the light will then cast on her face. That's like playing into the performance. But mm-hmm. that was just such a striking visual to me that I definitely want to rip it off in the future. And incorporate that into something so yeah that one was fantastic and then this one may come as a surprise uh don't worry darling whoa there's this moment where there's this close-up on florence Pugh during the promotion scene it's a little bit before like chris pine brings hairstyles on stage and does the whole promotion thing mm. but this close-up on florence Pugh, the way the lighting is in that moment and the way all the lights just hitting on her face like there's a slight mm. like amber almost red but it's very soft and very subtle light that's just like hitting her it's just beautiful it was amazing like i remember during that scene like i was being pulled out of the emotion we were supposed to be feeling because i think it's also her like piecing together oh some more weird things are happening um in this realm in this simulation um but i was not thinking about that and being aligned with her in that moment i was just being like wow what did they do to achieve this look? Because it was so beautiful. Um, so yeah, Don't Worry Darling, Babylon, Batman, Fire of Love, and Fablemans. Those are my five. Okay. So my five are... Uh, did you watch The Whale? Yeah. Okay. So the end of The Whale, that last shot of him standing on the beach with like his daughter playing in the sand. Mm. I mean, I think just the juxtaposition the of... The Whale? His... Yes. That was the, the whale. whale. Remember, he dies. Yes. He launches up into the air. Yes. And then it's a very high exposure shot of him standing on the beach. It's from the back, and he's standing mm-hmm. on the beach, and like the, the young version of his daughter is playing in the sand, and then it fades to white. Interesting. I don't remember, remember that. God no. damn, dude! It was like it was my favorite part of the movie was that ending, and it's just like the juxtaposition of this dark, cramped, damp apartment where he has become this thing that he despises compared to like this memory that he has of his past. And that like that memory is what he has clung on to this whole time, this whole bright image of his life of who he was with his family and who his daughter was and that she is still that person, that he is still that person. Just that image that he is at peace with that memory. It was just gorgeous. And also it's just a really good shot. And also I just love that aspect ratio. I think it's a square aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. If not two, three, but God, just love it. Um, I I stole yours. Money shot from Fire of Love. I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, so good. There's so many shots in that movie that are incredible, but that money Absolutely. shot, God damn. I rewrote. I, I mean, I wrote that in like two minutes ago. I can't remember what I replaced it with because it was so insignificant. I think it was a oh, it was a shot from All Quiet on the Western Front where it was a close up on the main character 
who was had like mud caked and dried onto his face and he was had bloodshot eyes and it was just a very well like framed shot because it was just so like darkness enveloping around and like it was well done but mm-hmm. nah nah like the money shot like come on <laughs> the shot of the toilet exploding in triangle of sadness dude that was the one that was the one i told you about of like just an insane thing to put to film that yeah. was crazy that was crazy and also incredible. Yeah. An incredible shot because it's paired with the music and everything. I mean, just fantastic. The ba- Batman leading the people. I picked that too from the Batman. It's just such nice. a good shot. It's well-framed. Nice. The lighting is gorgeous. It has symbolic significance. Everything you said is correct. Uh, and then my last one was in the Fablemans, when Sammy leans down, young Sammy in the beginning, he leans down on the train tracks and he's looking at the train and he's fr- you can see him framing that image and it shows what that image looks like on that train, that image right there. I love nice. it because I could connect to it as a, as a kid who would play with his Legos and would move the Legos around and then frame it in my mind like it was a camera. Like I could see myself doing those same things that Sammy Fableman does. Love it. Nice. I connected very strongly with that. All right, so my winner, I just got to go with Fire of Love, the money shot. You're absolutely correct. It's just insane. Like, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Just incredible. Lava gushing out nonstop. And again, how close the figure looked to it, which again provides a great amount of scale. So we can see how huge this like lava geyser is. I would love to have seen the like wider shot of that, just see how far up it's going. But all you see is just a person in a gray suit framed against this never-ending cascade of lava shooting up. It's so beautiful. It's insane. Nature is amazing. Uh, All right. After that, we are now going to talk about the best scenes of 2022. Our final category. Let's go through them. So, my five selections. Starting off with Babylon, the Kinoscope backlot montage. It's more of a whole like sequence, but mm-hmm. just that whole moment where it's Margot Robbie is getting in, doing her first part, and she's like getting told to cry on commands, and she can keep doing it, even though they're doing like 20 takes, and she just keeps doing it. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you have Manny who has to run from the set that he's on to go pick up another camera. Because they're out of film, so he has to go and do that, and then rush back. Um, and we see just the whole, like, hundreds of people just sitting around doing nothing um, while he's off in this crazy chase to get the camera that he needs. And then Brad Pitt getting drunk as he's waiting for things to get going on his set. But then, of course, when everything lines up and everything's ready to go, he just is able to click in and just get this amazing, beautiful shot. All that stuff, just the energy of it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So engaging, so entertaining. Beautiful. Incredible. My next pick, Banshees of Inisherin, the bar argument, which has the, oh, maybe you were never nice. Like that part comes from this, but that larger argument that he has with Colum in there. And then uh, Karen Condon and then Barry Keoghan also come in uh, midway through that scene. But just that whole back and forth like the writing on that was off the charts of them engaging with that idea of like is it better to be nice and loved and well respected by the people that you know who are around you today or Mm -hmm. to leave this legacy and be known to a bunch of strangers centuries down the line 
Mm-hmm. But the way it was funny, it was thought provoking, the way it ended off too with Carrie Condon doing that mic drop of like, oh, Mozart that you're saying is this great person that everyone knows. Yeah, he was in the 18th century, not the 17th century. <laughs> just leading the scene off on that. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. So good. After that, Tar, the Juilliard lecture. First of all, that whole oneer scene. Yeah. They get all being a oneer is fantastic. Kate Blanchett just going off insane she's an amazing actress she is fantastic and then again the material of the scene itself like what they're engaging with the idea of like okay these greats of music composition are they worth listening to even if they were bad people and then the way that she's going about this shows like these glimpses of the horrible person that she really is that we get to see much more clearly later on but Mm -hmm. it's the way that this is like hinting at all of that of Again, she's like making good points. And ultimately, I think I fall more on her side of this debate, but she's just so needlessly cruel and vicious and like humiliating the student in order to prove her point and like flex her power that she has over him. Um, So I think it's just a very well done scene. Mm -hmm. After that, the Fablemans, the scene where he finds out about his parents, where he's cutting back that camping trip and... It's just the visuals in that scene making that dynamic and interesting to look at, even though he's just like doing the same motions over and over again, but cutting between him doing those actions, between what he's seeing on the screen, those camping videos of his mother and his uh, father's best friend um, being close and like these sneaky little glimpses that he was able to capture that now looking back on them, they carry so much weight and so much meaning. And he's able to see, uh Oh, there's a connection mm-hmm. here between them. And it's not just like friendliness There's something more. As he's yeah. like slowly coming to that revelation, I think it's just so well directed. Like the way all of that builds up on each other was just amazing. Like it had me fully engaged. I was totally glued to the screen during that. And then finally, everything everywhere all at once, Evelyn and Waymond reconnecting. So again, that whole moment of, or falling in love, the dynamic light, intercutting that with the Wong Kar Wai inspired stuff, and then capping off with that line of, in another life, I would have loved doing just taxes and laundry with you, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic. So that whole scene uh, is my fifth nomination. What about you? All right. So I've got, uh, in terms of best scenes, the ending in The Whale. I really think it's the best scene of the movie, and I think it really makes up for a lot of the missteps that I see earlier in the movie. I've always liked that little speech. They're the little paper that he reads about the whale and Moby Dick and like how it plays into the end. I really like that. And then I'd love just that he launches into the air and dies. Like, I think it's beautiful. I really do think it's a great ending. And I think that last shot really sells it, even though you don't even fucking remember it. I thought it was great. I really liked it. I, know, um, I don't know why I didn't remember it. I, I definitely weird. remember him it's launching the up. That's part of the movie. <laughs> but not that. Whatever. Uh, my second nomination is the beach scene in Top Gun. I mean, come on. When when they're playing, first off, the idea of offense-defense football is pretty great, and I wish they had elaborated more on it. I yeah. wish they had had a, a scene of him like explaining how to do it and then them trying and failing and then working at it. But, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied with just watching them just go at it. I mean, the, the reference that it is and the, the way it plays into the story, it's just classic, classic. Right. Uh, the opening scene and everything ever all at once, the way that they're able to set up so much all at once in that opening scene, they introduce us to all the characters, 
all the personal problems that they have with each other and with the story itself, they set up the the musical number on the TV. They set up a lot of the side characters. They set up the googly eyes. They set up the stress in their life. They set up like where they are and like who they are as people. I mean, it's just incredibly well written, and it's just it's it gets us into the pace of things. I mean, it's perfect. I think it's fantastic. Um, like you, I picked the drunken rant and banshees when he's when they're having that debate in the bar. I think it's just such good writing that little it debate is. they have. It's like Martin McDonough is taking an internal debate and really writing it word for word down for uh, for these two characters to interact and clash. And it just it's so well done. And the lines are so good. The delivery is so good. I absolutely love it. And then my last one was, did you watch Decision to Leave? No, not yet. OK, so the cliff scene in Decision to Leave. I'll leave it at that. OK, I don't want to spoil anything. All right. And. Can I guess your winner and you try and guess mine? Yeah, I guess my winner. I think your winner will be the opening scene from Everything Everywhere All at Once. You're absolutely goddamn right. <laughs> nice. I don't know if you'll be able to get mine, but go ahead. I'm going to go with Babylon. Close. Fuck. <laughs> Is it I'm actually going with the Fablemans, yeah. Damn it. I was between those two. It's just such a well-directed scene. Like it's it is very good. It's entirely on like Spielberg just being full-on top-notch Spielberg that that scene is able to become like the standout of that whole film. Mm-hmm. And for me, of the whole year of just perfectly executed, it's every emotion it wants you to, despite being what could have been just a very like flatly directed minor moment. But again, the way he's able to make it feel so huge which for that character is exactly what that experience would be like beautiful so beautiful so yeah for me it was the fablemans for you it was the opening scene which by the way fantastic pick because yeah i remember distinctly us talking about that in our episode on it of this is a high concept world you have to explain a lot Mm -hmm. of things get the audience into it and it hits all those beats just phenomenally character setup world setup setting up the like tone and pacing of this type of film so good for sure absolutely and i think the fablemans is also a good pick for best scene i mean it, it is incredible the way that he is showing how much filmmaking is a way of expressing himself in the sense that he's able to discover more about the people that he's closest with through filmmaking i mean that's just art in itself it's beautiful absolutely all right well that is all the time we have if you'd like to give your thoughts on the show you can email us at the box office show pod at gmail.com our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to, and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your